Welcome to Rock Solid Ministries Frontline Servants Program, where we visit with men and women on the front lines of kingdom service. For more information about our free revival ministry, or to explore more of our audio and video recordings, visit our website at rocksolidministries.org. Again, that's rocksolidministries.org. Our guest today is Jared Prickett, Associate Minister at Valley Christian Church in Bullhead City, Arizona. Jared, I met you last year, 2021, I, I believe. A year before, actually. Was it a year before that? Yeah. Okay. When we were back here in Bullhead for uh, uh, number one of our other mm-hmm. revivals, we've been here a number of times, and though Beth and I enjoyed lunch with you and your sweet wife, I, I'm, I know there's so much about you that I don't know yeah. about your spiritual walk and development. And so, Jared, tell us your story. <laughs> Uh, well, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I grew up in Flagstaff, Arizona, and uh, I was born and raised redneck up there, is uh, what I like to say. It's there a, are rednecks other places <laughs> in the south where I'm from? We got the first day of deer season off from school because um, yeah. there wouldn't be enough teachers. and so <laughs> That was like Arkansas where yeah. I grew up. <laughs> well, kind of figures into my story later, too, when I meet my wife because I was a redneck in disguise, and she accused me of that all the time. <laughs> um but my parents got divorced when I was very young. Um, I'm not even sure if I was just after I was born or the uh, when I was one years old. I just never asked them. Uh, but my mom was very faithful and always had us in church all the time. So was raised in um, in church going, but uh, only every other weekend. Uh, so when I was with my dad, we were out, you know, shooting and cutting wood and doing all kinds of stuff that you have to do to get by or playing golf. And then every other weekend, I was, you know, Sunday we were in church and doing the thing and. Went to every VBS and everything. I mean, I've got all the, you know, napkin holders with crosses on them and stuff that you make, all those crafts. And um, <clears throat> just really grateful. Um, when I was about two or three, uh, maybe a little older, maybe four, the uh, Christian church started and uh, was planted. And the second meeting of the church was in our backyard. Um, really? And so, in yeah, Flagstaff? Yeah, in Flagstaff. And so... Now, um, which church was that? Christ Church of Flagstaff. Christchurch reflection. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And so before that, there was a first Christian, and uh, which we later merged with, but that's where I grew up going. And so I had one solid church home. Um, my, you know, just grew up there and through all the different, you know, when we met behind Long John Silver to when we had our own building and grew up in, you know, that whole environment. Wow. So, yeah, it's pretty neat um, in that way. But like I said, I was born and raised there and going to church all the time. And so I grew up in the faith. And grew up just kind of knowing who God was and everything. And uh, I was probably 12. Um, I, I think it was 1992. Um, I was 12 years old and went to summer camp. Um, and so I don't remember exactly why I made the decision to come to Christ. Um, but I remember it being a very emotional time that we were having the, the altar call around the campfire. But it was raining that night, so we had to do it inside. And I just remember kind of thinking, man, I need to give my life to Christ. And so I went back home. Um, actually, I think it was 10, if I checked the dates. Um, and so went back and uh, to my mom said, you know, I need to get baptized. And being as young as I was, she said, okay, well, let's, you know, let's think about it. She really wanted to make sure it wasn't just an emotional decision. And so she said, well, let's, you know, yeah, let's talk about that later. Just let me put it off and, and just making sure it wasn't just a camp high. Right. And, um, you know, it's, now I totally get, and you know, I, I follow her, her wisdom in that um, with our own kids. But... Um, so it was, you know, about in July, and then I remember in, um, 
about a month later, just kept asking, you know, I really do need to get baptized, Mom. And so I was uh, baptized in September of um, 1990. I would have been 10 years old. Um, and uh, just baptized by my uh, person I referred to as my uncle. He's just a friend of the family, but Uncle Dave, and who was a huge influence in my life. Um, and by this time, my mom had remarried, and my stepdad was, you know, very much part of my life. So I grew up with two fathers in, in a great way, and we both were very active in my life. Good. Um, and so made that decision. And like many, ten, you know, kids just kind of grew up on my parents' faith, um, on my mom's and, and stuff. And then I, I uh, joined uh, Young Life that we had at our church. Um, we didn't have a youth pastor. We had a youth pastor, but he ran uh, Young Life and Wildlife. And grew up in, in wildlife um, as a junior high student. And I had an older sister who was four years older than me. And uh, in seventh and eighth grade was a huge influential time. You know, it is for all kids, very foundational and, and faith building. And I remember going to youth group. And I still remember the man's name is Travis Blue, who uh, he was a college student volunteering. And I went in and shook hands. And he looked at me and said, what was that? And I, I was taken aback. I wasn't sure. You know what he's talking about. He says that isn't the way you shake hands. Like here, and he saw two of his boys like shake my hand. He taught me in that moment to shake hands, and it wasn't somebody anybody had ever said. You know, this is what you need to do, and this is how you greet. And it was very much like, okay, wait a minute, this isn't something that we do. And, and as I learned later, as I've been in ministry, it's not just about for those kids. You know, just making sure they know Jesus, but they're trying to figure out who they are and develop. You know, at that age, who they are and who they're going to be. And right. a lot of that is foundational in Christ, of course, but also just in life. They're just making those decisions going to influence me for the rest of life. And so Travis really had an influence on me in that way and really walked me through a lot of different things, values of of just different things that go along with Christianity. And uh, so it was really, really amazing. You uh, still carry out that how to greet people. I was watching during the revival this week oh. <laughs> in the way you're out front greeting yeah. people. And, and uh that was a lesson you learned and hung on yeah, to, didn't you? Yeah, seventh grade. And I got to actually, I found Travis, tracked him down years later when I was in my 30s and got to catch up and just say, hey, this is what you had impact on my life. Thank you. And so that was really neat. Um, so same time, um, you know, I'd been in about seventh grade and my sister that would put her, you know, in high school. And she was really involved too with uh, our youth pastor. His name was Mike Schimmel. And uh, I don't know why Mike left the church, but he moved to a different church um, for whatever reason. And when Mike left, the kids around my sister's age that were very involved um, just kind of walked off and left God and left the church. Um, and so I got to see this mass exodus of all these kids um, just leave and, you know, that I saw and really were somebody that I looked up to all of a sudden, you know, as a seventh grader, I saw them just, you know, you know, you think 14, 15 year olds are just grown up. Right. And, and so I just saw them walk away and I was just wondered, like, what happened? And it really just kind of baffled me. But I kept going to church and we got a new youth pastor. In, um, and so this new youth pastor came in and, and he was there unashamedly said, you know, I really want to be a senior minister. I'm going to be here for a couple of years. Um, and that's, you know, but my goal is to do other things. And so he was true to his words, stayed about two years. And again, he was just a guy that was just full of charisma and brought a bunch of people. Our youth group just grew um, tremendously in numbers. And it was a just huge explosion from, you know, when I was there, just a few, you know, 10, 15 kids to we were running 90. Um, wow. And we were meeting, they have a, 
Actually, it's the largest indoor wooden structure or wooden football stadium up in Flagstaff. And because it's made out of wood, but we'd go and meet there. Um, wow. Just because it's a big field house. And so it was just room to play, and we just had a great time. Um, but it was just, you know, so amazing to see all these kids growing and everything. And then um, he left again. He said he was going to. But the same thing, I saw these kids that I looked up to, you know, as a freshman in high school at that point, and I saw these seniors and stuff, these guys that really were, you know, I thought fervent in the faith and just really excited about Jesus, just all of a sudden walk off and go party and, and do all these things and not go to church anymore when he left. And I just was baffled, just realized at that time, like, no, this is somebody, these guys were tied into the youth minister. They weren't tied into Jesus, but to this guy's personality. Right. Just and like the one before. Exactly. And so seeing that twice um, was really rough. Um, and so I just made the decision, I think then when I was about 14, like, what am I going to do? Am I going to be, you know, in this just for church or am I going to be in this to follow Christ? And yeah. and made that decision like, no, I'm going to stay here. And so then we got a new set of youth pastors. Um, There's a husband and wife team who came in our church and when I was a sophomore. And I just said, okay, you know, I don't particularly like these people at first. You know, I wasn't used to them, but I'm going to stick here and we're going to do this. And so, you know, I was one of the leaders in the youth group, even though I was, you know, only 14 or 15 at the time. He, uh, I was just one of the leaders by default because I was the oldest. Right. Um, kid. And so our junior high started growing and Craig and Laura Dukeman um, were their names and they, they just, uh, jumped in and put me into work right away and said, you know, Jared, why don't you jump in and help with youth, uh, junior high ministry? And that just clicked. I just loved helping the younger kids. And it was more just because, I mean, junior high, I still love because they're so great. You can like push them into a wall and then they're like, yeah, oh, what do you want to do next? All right, this is great. <laughs> and there's like, you can get them excited about anything. You know, like we're going to move from this van over to that van. And they're like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> you know, and they just got so much energy, but they got no direction. And so you just give them a direction to put that energy and they just, you know, it's, it's so great. See, now, that, can I say that's what I admire about people like you, Jared? Mm -hmm. Because uh, I'm a very fixed person and mm -hmm. and uh, maybe a, a, a little bit of, um, I call myself monkish, if you mm -hmm. know the character monk, yeah. that things have to be in order and in line and, and, and some learning disabilities. Mm -hmm. I can't function without having it like that. Mm -hmm. So junior hires... Mm -hmm. No, thank you. I love them. And, and in church, I love them, and they seem to love me. Mm -hmm. And we get along. They enjoy the messages. We, we hug uh, when, when that was allowable. And, and I love that. But to, but to be their leader week after week in a youth environment, yeah. uh, it drives me nuts. Yeah, yeah. And so I admire that, that that's your gift. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, and then, you know, just uh, started helping out with junior high ministry. Now, you speak of learning disabilities. I um, Grew up going to, uh, you know, and I think it was maybe third grade, ended up going into special ed programs and the gifted programs in one time. And just because, you know, I, I just am a odd person that thinks in a different way. And so they said, okay, put you in the gifted because we don't know what else to do with you. <laughs> and then, you know, I was terrible at writing and writing is just something I still struggle with. My spelling grade level is probably sixth or seventh grade, even now. Well, we, might, we might be kinfolk. Maybe, <laughs> <laughs> right? And, uh, you know, it just doesn't work. And so all through junior high and high school, like when I got to high school, um, I found out you could do algebra for ninth grade or you could do algebra A, which was half the class over a year. And I was like, wait a minute, easier for a year? Yeah, that's me. Sign me up for the remedial <laughs> classes. <laughs> like, you know, and so I kind of took the low road because I'd always struggled with school. 
And so if I don't have to do as much work, yeah, that sounds great. I still get to graduate, you know. And so my grade was, you know, pretty bad, um, pretty low, like under 3.0. And, uh, you know, at this time, just going through, uh, going to school, doing that stuff, um, doing everything. Um, then started uh, playing drums when I was in sixth grade. And I think we were uh, at a CIY, which is Christ in Youth Conference, right. out at, um, at Point Loma Nazarene. And uh, if you ever, if there's anybody listening, if you ever get a chance just to visit the campus, do it. Don't don't skip because it is most a beautiful campus. If you got no other interest, that campus is just amazing um, because it's just fantastic. So we came back one year. Me and my best friend at the time decided we needed to start a youth band. Um, the problem was both of us played drums, so we started, <laughs> <laughs> we started the ultimate nightmare youth band with two drummers <laughs> and. and we were, I, it was awful. And eventually we found, you know, kind of the dregs of everybody that wanted to be in a band but didn't have the talent. And so our youth band was two drummers, and he started to learn how to play a keyboard one finger at a time, and he'd play a guitar once in a while. Um, and then we'd bring in these guys. We had one guy that he loved playing acoustic guitar and just uh, loved doing that but was really bad at it. And then we had another guy that was a total punk rock guy, um, they would just wanted distortion and everything else. And so we had this mishmash of the worst band ever and nobody could sing. Um, and we're, I was 16 at the time and playing drums. And then I remember all of a sudden this girl walks in and looks at me and, uh, and I just remember her blonde, but I don't remember her so much, but her little sister walks up and goes, I can sing twice as loud as my sister. Watch. And she opens up her mouth, and the biggest mouth I've ever seen, and I still tease her about it to this day because you know, it's my sister-in-law, and just goes, and just screams, and i just like, who is this family? And it turns out <laughs> my wife moved from California, or my uh, then, her name is Adriana. She moved from California, and her family um, had visited Flagstaff, moved out there, decided to live there. Um, and I remember seeing her actually at school, at high school band, and thinking, wow, that new blonde girl, she's pretty cute. Um, but she's way out of my league. I can never, you know, approach her. But she spotted me that day um, when I was playing drums and said, and the way she says is that she said, God, I want that one um, at that moment, or somebody like him, um, because she just saw me playing drums and worshiping. And uh, she chased me. Um, and kept, you know, she says I was too dense, and I admit it, I had no idea that she liked me. Um, and so we started dating, actually. We were just about 16. Um, and so started dating then, and um, for the first couple of years, we weren't even allowed to, to ride in the same car together. Uh, but still, you know, just we're dating and just seeing. And I remember turning to my friend at one point after a few months and going, I'm not sure that I see us ever breaking up because we're smart enough to work through issues. And I didn't realize what that meant exactly, except that I had a girlfriend um, for a long time. And so she actually started working in the junior high ministry also. And so our relationship from the beginning was ministering together. Oh. And um, so she was working with the girl junior highs, and I was with the high or with the uh, junior high boys, and just helping out and doing everything. Uh, so we get through high school and getting towards the end of the senior year, and uh, it seems like everybody else around me has a plan. You know, as you talk and everybody, well, I'm going to go, you know, I've got, already got accepted to this college and, you know, I'm going to pre-med or I'm going to take a year off and go to Europe or all this stuff. And I had no idea what I was going to do. I just kind of looking around and uh, I'd had teachers tell me that, you know, I'd have to dig ditches 
um, because I couldn't get a job doing anything else because of my learning disability. And, um, you know, just kind of took that to heart and thought, okay, well, I just got to do this and, and uh, just really struggled. And then the summer before my senior year, we were back at uh, CIY. And I remember that year just fasting every day and just uh, taking, skipping lunch and just praying and just telling God, God, I don't know what you want me to do. You know, I really love working with junior hires. I think ministry is so much fun, but to do that, you have to go to college, and I'm just not cut out for that. And so I just don't know, you know, if I should go do construction and frame houses or, you know, work with ministry. You just got to tell me, just fasting every day, every day, every day, and praying, and, and just, God, you got to do it. And finally, at the end of the week, I said, like, God, you got to, I'm too dense. If you're telling me something, I don't know what it is. You got to just hit me over the head. And then about half an hour later, my youth minister walks up to me and she goes, Jared, really think you should go into youth ministry. And it was just the burning bush moment of, all right, I got a plan. Let's do it. That's what I've been saying. And we got to say this to young people. Yeah. And so, you know, I was fortunate enough and dumb enough that God just had to hit me on the head with it and that he did that for me. It was amazing. And, uh, and you you had enough faith that, that, uh, you know, if God wants me to do it, I, then I, I will do this. Mm-hmm. And it didn't cause you to stop back and think, well, learning disability, I can't do it. Yeah. God called me. Mm-hmm. I've got to do that. Yeah. And I've been there, done that. Yeah. And yeah. I had failed the ACTs. Well, I didn't fail. Whatever passing is on the ACTs, like 16, I got 17. Well, we have got and, to be careful from somewhere <laughs> way back. Well, the funny thing is my wife, on the other hand, she got enough. She got almost a perfect score in her ACTs to where they were just throwing scholarships at her from everywhere. And so, just so funny. She's a great tester, and she's just she's the brains of the operation. I'm just the eye candy, is what I tell people, you know. But, <laughs> um, and so she, I guess that doesn't come across as you know on audio so much. But I'm not a very good looking guy, so that's why I say that as a joke. Um, but she, don't don't believe him, listener. <laughs> <laughs> so I uh, let's see. <coughs> So I knew that I had to, you know, somehow get to college to get this degree, but I wasn't sure. So I ended up um, just, okay, go to community college and start getting my requirements done and uh, save some money, save about a Lexus worth of debt, you know, doing that, and uh, which is a good way to go. And so I went to community college, and then at the same time, my senior minister, uh, who I'd grown up with, uh, sat on the board at Pacific Christian College, uh, which is now Hope International University, and they allowed him to start uh, doing correspondence courses. And so what we ended up doing is, uh, me and another guy from the church, we started doing, and this was actually, we got videotapes that were mailed to us. It was long enough ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know. And for those of you that might be listening, you know, you actually have to be kind and rewind. Uh, (laughs) I remember that. Yeah, and so took a, first class I took was Life of Christ, and our senior minister graded our papers. And so instead of applying to college, after a while I just said, okay, I'm going to show up. And I hope you're ready for me. And they said, oh, okay. So I never applied to college. I just kind of snuck in the back door. Wow. And, yeah, and that worked out. And then ended up moving out there um, to Pacific Christian College after a couple of years. And my wife also. Um, and she went out for a semester on a soccer scholarship, but um, just didn't want to be apart from her family yet and apart from me. Um, and so <clears throat> she went out there, and then she came back and went to community college. And then we both moved out there. In the fall of 2000. Um, and so started going to school. And I was a little bit older than everybody else that was a freshman. Um, and even though technically I wasn't a freshman, they put me in with all the freshman classes and dorms and stuff. Um, 
And so just knew that I was trying to graduate debt-free and so got as many jobs as I could. So I was, think I was working about three different jobs. Um, I found out that In-N-Out paid way above, you know, anybody else. Never wanted to work fast food, but realized, you know, hey, do you pay more? Then let's go flip some burgers. So Famous In-N-Out burgers. <laughs> yeah, so worked at In-N-Out um, all through college and, you know, cutting fries and flipping burgers and went through that. And then um, after doing that, then I realized, you know, I need a job where I don't have to do anything. And um, just started praying, uh, God, I need a job where I don't have to do anything so I can study during that and somebody will pay me for it. And then he ended up uh, getting me a job at the computer lab at the same time. So I was able to work in and out and then do homework and get paid for it. So all I had to do was check IDs while I sat there and used a computer. So that oh. was great. And then started looking for an internship um, and driving around finding different places. And at the time, I didn't realize that Friends was a denomination. And right. went to uh, a Yorma Friends just because somebody invited me. So went over there and just saw the way they were doing youth ministry and realized, you know, I want to learn to do this. Right. Um, and Yorma Linda, they were um, baptizing people and then encouraging people to take communion as a family. And I thought, okay, well, those are two, you know, everything other than that looked like church that I wanted to go to. Right. And those, you know, if you know the Friends denomination, it's kind of the two things that they don't do. And yet Yorma Linda did them. So I was like, yeah, let's do this. Right. So loaded up and um, went to the junior high ministry uh, to a guy named Dean White and said, hey, can I you know, intern for you? And their junior high ministry was running about 200 kids. And wow. so they had three people on staff just for junior high and then me and started interning for free um, and working and just learning under Dean. And he was just a great mentor, just a passionate guy that, that loved, and not just loved junior high kids, but liked them. And, um, cause a lot of people love them, but to like junior hires is a different level. Yeah. And it taught me how to do that. And we just had such a blast. Um, the three of us or the four of us, um, doing ministry there and just learning so much and, and doing that while I was going to school. Um, so went through graduated in fall of 2000, I'm sorry, in spring of 2003. And, um, just before graduation, um, Let's see, about a month or two before, uh, started searching for jobs and found a job. Um, we interviewed about a month before and got hired a um, month before graduation. I remember I went up to a staff meeting. They were having a, a staff meeting. It was a church in California. Um, and they are having a staff meeting at Santa Barbara. So I drove up one weekend, got it off from work and everything. Went up to staff meeting. And on the way home, left, I think, on a, you know, like a Thursday when they were finishing up. Left about noon right after lunch. And I headed down, bought a ring uh, on the way back down to college, went to work that night, worked till midnight, and then got off work midnight and went for a walk with my uh, fiance or with my girlfriend and then proposed that night. And then the next week we went up and looked for apartments up where the church was. And then that next weekend we did finals and then graduation. Then I moved up there in one weekend. So it was like finals, graduation, moved up there and started a job. And she moved back to Arizona to plan a wedding. So three months later, we got married. So we tried to get all those most stressful life decisions out of the way just in one shot. <laughs> so just knock those out of the park. Um, and then we just um, always were ministering together. That's just one thing that um, was just a foundation. I think that was set because of the youth pastors that we had as example, that husband and wife were just there in it together and doing it. And, and it's something we've always done. Um, and so she has a degree in youth ministry also. I graduated at the same time. And again, she's like, 
you know, cum laude graduation, and I <laughs> barely skated by, but we got the paper, right? Um, and we ministered up in um, up in there in the Lake Arrowhead for two years or so. Yeah. And found some just some <coughs> different ideas. We the values that the church had and the values that we had didn't line up. And I was young enough that I didn't realize that, and immature enough. And, and sure, I, we all go through things like that. Yeah, and I see that now that you know at the time it was all their fault. You know, they did everything wrong, and I was you know in the right. Oh, you wouldn't believe the churches oh. that were at fault with me and my young ministry. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> at least and, in my mind. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then you know, as time passes and you're mature, the clarification comes a little right. bit, and, and just realize the mistakes I made. But. Um, you know, did some amazing stuff up there, and God really blessed it, and just youth ministry kind of boomed, and we enjoyed it, and, and everything it was right as things were coming to a head, and just tension was happening, and and stuff between myself and the senior minister, and uh, some of the senior minister's friends, who kids were in the youth group, but walked yeah. away, um, and because they were at that age, you know, where high school kids kind of make a decision either for or against Christ, or, right. or what, or for the world, they started walking away, and... and uh, the senior minister and his friends kind of thought that was on me. And so mm. it just wasn't a good fit any longer and, and stuff. And so. Isn't it isn't it odd how someone makes a decision not to follow Christ and it's someone else's fault? Mm-hmm. And I've said this for years that, that when kids get to a certain age or when they're in their 20s or 30s and, and, and still kids in God's eyes, mm-hmm. uh, they make that decision just like you and I made that decision in our life. And... If someone walks away from the Lord, uh, you can do all you can. You can love on them and, and try to bring them back, but you cannot force them back into a walk with the Lord. Mm-hmm. They made that decision to walk away. They have to make that decision to come back or make that decision for the very first time that I'm going to follow Christ like you did that time and said, I'm not following church or youth ministers. I'm following Christ. Yeah. And it's an individual decision, and it cannot be laid at the feet of the church. Now the church can make mistakes, oh, yeah. uh, bad decisions, uh, say something wrong that just turns someone off, and we need to be careful about that. But ultimately, it is that person's individual decision. Yeah, I didn't mean to get you off that, no, but I thought that was no, an important thing that we need to say. Absolutely, and I think it's too. I think the church gets blamed for a lot. The church is an organization. The church can't hurt people. Right. People within the body definitely can make mistakes and hurt people. Right. But you know, when people say they got hurt by the church, well, how did the church do that? You know, right. I think there's definitely... The church is actually the body of Christ. Right. And and uh, made up of these different parts. Yeah. And so... I can poke know. myself in the eye with my finger, mm-hmm. and that's going to hurt. And yeah. so... Yeah. If, if you're the finger that pokes somebody... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Pokes the, yeah. And so, you know, that's what... That is tough, but also what makes the body beautiful is that, that disorganization, that tough part, and that how we're all in need of grace. Um, now, along with that, um, let me backtrack just a little bit. One of the things my sister, I said, you know, kind of her generation of the youth group had walked away from Christ. Um, well, she got married when I was, um, I was about 19, I think 18. And uh, her and her husband, you know, weren't involved in church at all or anything. And they moved up to San Jose. And uh, I visited a couple times and went and seen them. And, and uh, my brother-in-law, he's just a skinny cowboy guy <laughs> that I call Hoss. Um, and just have always called them since they started dating. And um, he was just a you know, skinny guy. And I remember my mom telling me for some reason, calling me one day and just saying, you know, I had a dream. 
and we've never been, you know, prophetic or a very charismatic family or right. anything. But she said, you know, I had the weirdest dream that you're going to baptize Hoss. And, um, and then about two days later, he called me and said, Jared, when we're home at Christmas, I need you to baptize me. You know, we started going to church, and I just think I need to do this. So it was really cool to get to see that and see my sister, who decided, you know, that she didn't want anything to do with Christ, come back and uh, mm-hmm. start to be faithful in Paul. And just amazing to see how God uh, took my brother-in-law and just really changed him. Um, so go forward back to where we were. Um, you know, that ministry and, and the tension at the church kind of came to a head, and um, different things, and finally I said, you know, I can't um, do this, and decided to put in my resignation. Um, was actually told, if you put in your resignation, we'll give you severance pay. So I wasn't fired, technically, but it was yeah. a pretty good time, and it was good for them, too. They needed somebody else that would fit their their church better, and, and it wasn't, you know, I wasn't there any longer. Um, about the same time, though, almost the same day that that happened, I think it was the same day or maybe the next day, got a call from a former professor of mine from Hope International University, and I said, hey, Jared, I know you're in ministry somewhere else, but uh, we've got a youth ministry spot opening up, and I want you to interview for it, so can you come down and do that? Um, and so, and that was Fred Dorado, um, who called me, and he, he was youth minister down in Orange County, and he had transitioned out of youth ministry and started wanting to do associate ministry adult, and uh, so I interviewed and moved down to Orange County um, at North Orange Christian Church and started uh, working there. And just uh, was blown away. Um, Randy Christian was a senior minister there and such a different person from the senior minister at my first church. Um, and just very, uh, very smart and very technical and just directing people and just a really amazing guy to minister under. Um, great counselor. And he had his um, license. And so he was actually a professional counselor before he moved to Orange County. And it kept up his license there. And so really was able to teach me and the other staff just amazing things that we didn't get when we were in school or that we didn't appreciate when we were learning in college. And so really learned a lot from him and really just, uh, you know, under him was just, it was just a great time and still love Randy uh, to death. And uh, he's a great guy, good influence in my life. And um, I mention him just because everybody always throughout my life, God has provided a mentor um, for me and just really sought that out. Even when, you know, I no scripture and I, you know, just, or I thought I do, I, you know, can you ever really know it all, but just somebody that is there that can direct me and help me learn and give me direction of where I've fallen short and where I need to grow. It's like when I was in college, it was Dean White. And then, um, just up in Lake Arrowhead, had another mentor that was just there. And then when I moved down, just Randy Christian, and then some of the elders there started, you know, taking me aside and, um, Larry Cohn, mentoring me and just somebody that was always there and so with that um throughout my journey there's been things that i've kind of valued um because of the things that influenced me um one is uh, longevity in ministry because it's easy to come in and be the charismatic young guy especially for a youth minister you know right. because it's like the guy that wants to tell jokes and play guitar you know and, oh okay well he's perfect put him up front put him in charge you know but he doesn't have that depth, and he'll stick it out for two years. But then after that, when things rub the wrong way, then he's going to move on. And I didn't want that as I saw that in youth ministry. It was always really important to me that, no, I'm going to be a lifer in youth ministry. And that I'm going to be somebody that the kids will know that I'm there and depend on. And um, then the other thing was also to find small groups of people to mentor. Because that's what really impacted me was somebody, an individual, taking me aside and going, okay, here, 
let's let's help you grow. Let's keep going. And so just something that's always been really a core part of who I am and who I try to be. Um, and so, you know, Randy Christian and like I said, Larry Cohn were those guys um, when I was at North Orange Christian Church. And I was there for six years. We started a family. Um, my wife and I, we uh, had a baby girl. And um, as she grew, and I started realizing how much I didn't know and how much parents are just lost and have no clue what's you know what to do. Yeah, you seem like you have it together. You have to study a book yeah, to, to get a driver's license. Oh man! But you don't have to study a book no. to be a parent. I know. Yeah. Yeah. And so, well, that was funny too. Is when we first first night we brought our daughter home from the hospital. Um, the family that was there to help left, and my wife looks at me. She's like, "I think we should give her a bath." I was like, "Great. Who do I need to call to get permission?" Like, and, and I honestly thought that like, do I need to call the hospital or the doctor? Just to check in, make sure we're getting, it's okay to give this baby a bath, right? Wow. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then I was super tired at the moment and just realized, wait a minute, no, we're definitely on our own. we got to figure this out. <laughs> and um, as that was happening and different things, I just, uh, my passion really started to shift from working with kids. And I found that everything I was doing with youth ministry, I was kind of recycling things I'd done before. But every chance I got to teach adults, or start doing adult events. I was bringing up new things and fresh, and God was just bringing this, you know, passion and excitement. And so I realized, you know, this isn't fair to our junior high and high schoolers because I'm kind of giving them recycled goods and just warmed up meals, and it's not, not good. So I went to the elders and to Randy and said, you know, this is you guys need to find somebody who's passionate about this still, and who really just likes, uh, just you know, wants to be in youth ministry because I really thought that God was calling me out of it, and that I okay, I need to start working. As adults and so we started applying and and looking and we put in our resignation and the elders there um, were just amazing and they gave us a severance package to help us make a transition and, and just an amazing church and amazing leaders and so much grace was shown to me um, from that church <clears throat> excuse me and then uh, we ended up uh, just moving um, and decided to go back to school and um and go back and get my master's, and as we kept applying for churches and stuff, <clears throat> moved out from California, where it is really expensive to live out here to Arizona. And um, it was supposed to be a month transition because we were interviewing with a church up in Edmonton, Canada, of all places. And yeah. uh, which, I mean, that would have been transition to oh my, yeah. Southern California there, but ended up falling through. And just um, we moved out here to live with my in-laws for about a month until we found a place. And as we started living with them and they started loving having the grandkids and having the noise um, around and just uh, the chaos, they just told us, you know what, why don't we just keep doing this? This is great. We love it. And as we prayed about it, we're like, okay, the more people loving on our kids and helping them. And, you know, sometimes it's really tough, um, but we've been living with them. Um, it's kind of a multi-generational family for a while now, for almost nine years. That's, that's done a lot in other countries. Mm -hmm. It is. Yeah. And more and more around here, too. And yeah. You know, but it's, uh, we found a way that it's working and, and, uh, some days, you know, are tougher than others, but it's also been an amazing thing, um, to kind of teach me about the Lord. And sometimes I get frustrated with, um, you know, things that people do and that I'm living with. I'm like, okay, why does, you know, my father-in-law do it this way? And then I realize, you know, okay, well, it's his house. He gets to do it the way he wants. Right. <laughs> and sometimes I get frustrated with God and I say, God, why do you do it this way? Well, this is God's house. He gets to do it the way he wants. I just have to stick with it. Right. And just one of the, some of the lessons that he's taught me through living. So it's been 
a situation that has been not um, ideal by a lot of standards, but it's been great for us um, in doing that. And so as I went through school and we did that, um, I started working part-time at Target um, just to kind of supplement the income and, um, you know, just give me a transition. So I was primary caretaker of our kids and my wife was working full-time and I was working part-time and, um, and I was going to school. <clears throat> and then after a while, after I graduated, um, I went and just went to Target and said, you know what, hey, let's, you know, let's go full-time and so my wife can quit her job and do that and ended up going into management at Target and working my way up there a little bit. Um, at the same time, as we graduated uh, with my master's, we applied to churches after churches, and it's um, applying for churches is rough. It is, and you'd think with all the churches needing ministers and associate ministers mm-hmm. that, that, well, they'd say, well, here's one mm-hmm. that's interested, and let's look at him, but they say, well, we're looking at four or five, and, we're, yep. and, they, and they drag it on and on and on, and don't yeah. realize you're needing to get settled. You got kids need to be in school, mm-hmm. and, and, and it's, it's amazing to me. And, amazing. Well, I respect that. and understand because we've been on the other side hiring sure. somebody new, sure. and you know, I'd rather them not rush into it. But no, don't rush. Yeah, but you know, but, it's also like come on, people. You invest and in, you get excited because you're on the short list, and so you start researching houses and looking at places. And yeah, you get excited, and then all of a sudden that dream is squashed. We're like, well, we're going to go with somebody else, and then you're like, yeah. oh, now I got to, you know, it's like a little. You have to go through a period of mourning. And so right. we applied probably to 50 churches and just kept, just, it was struggling and really sent me into a depression. Um, and I remember Christmas a few years ago, um, and I don't know what it was, but they, uh, my kids are watching A Wonderful Life, and it's a wonderful life. And I remember sitting there, and I just had to go in the bedroom and just laying on the bed and just bawling. And my wife just come in and just, it felt like, uh, I don't know, like just where is God? I mean, I know he's there, and I thought you had this plan. That you would show me that, you know, we graduate because everything else up until that point, God provided church. Mm-hmm. After church, like right after, before I graduated, there was a place to go, you know, was my undergrad. Before I had left that church, he had already provided another church. You know, when I decided to leave there, he provided school and a way to live. And so at this point, the pattern had always been God immediately provides. And so this time it was like, no, it need to wait and something needs to happen. And it was just, it crushed me. I just, it was hard. Um, so I went into, did some counseling and just uh, met with a guy a few times and just realized, you know what, um, it's kind of coming to the point that I was listening to other things in my life more than I was listening to God. And I needed to tune in and stop listening to myself even and just realize, okay, this is it. And so just kind of recovered from that and came out of that depression. Um, and But still had no church. And we we're still as feeling stuck because our plan was to get um, out of Bullhead City and go somewhere else and and be somewhere. And uh, we were at a church here in town. It was EV free, and and uh, at first it was a great fit and learned a lot. Um, and was you know going in after I, I didn't mention but I did my master's online, um, and so I was able to live here still and then complete the degree. Um, and we just felt like it was time to move on, but we just had nowhere to go. And just kind of came to the realization, you know what, we need to change something because we're stuck. We're just floundering. We're not growing. We're not being challenged or changed. We're not allowing ourselves because we didn't want to commit to any relationships there because we felt like God was going to call us away soon. Right. So we didn't want to build friendships and, and things that were just going to be torn apart. Um, and so we just like, okay, we need to change something. So let's start 
looking for a different church. Plus, um, with me working at Target, I had to work most Sundays. And so we weren't getting to go to church as a family, um, which we didn't, you know, we wanted to be doing that. Um, and so we ended up looking for this church and, uh, my wife sent me a video. She would go and check out different churches on Sunday mornings in the area. And she sent me a church, a video, literally there was a video of, um, and she said, look at this church that we're never going to go to again. And it was Valley Christian church. <laughs> <laughs> and there was just several things that, you know, that first Sunday it was just like, no, this isn't a good fit because it, I think they were having an off day here. And, um, you know, it was just one of those things that just didn't line up right and just didn't fit. Um, but she's like, well, you know what? They have a Saturday night service and there's no kids ministry then, but let's check it out. So we came here on Saturday nights and started going and, um, then searching for or searching for other churches on Sunday mornings. And, uh, it was, you know, we were blown away just, uh, by the amount of love, even though there wasn't a children's ministry at night, how our kids were being loved on, um, by this, all the people that were here on Saturday night, which isn't very many, but just how they really, you know, loved on them. Um, and then we heard all of a sudden that, okay, well, this church, you know, Valley Christian is going to hire another minister and they're looking for somebody part-time and we're like, oh man, that's nice. And other people are like, well, you really need to apply. And I'm like, no, 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 we're good. You know, God has a plan for us somewhere else and, um, prayed about it. And because we told these people, we'll pray about it. And so we did. And God clearly said, no, you need to apply. And so we said, okay, well, I guess we'll apply, but we're not going to take the job at all. And, uh, you know, we're not going to interview. And so ended up applying and then sat down for an interview with Malcolm and said, pray about it. And got very clearly over and over said, no, you need to, this is where you need to be. So started part-time here. How long ago was that? That was two and a half years ago. Okay. Um, it was at Christmas time. So that's why we met. Right. Um, right after that. Yeah. yeah. So we were brand new when we first met you and started part-time um, because I could only be here every other Sunday because I was working full-time at Target. And so talked to my boss there and said, I need at least every other Sunday off. And so they worked it out and I was here every other Sunday and then midweek I was able to do youth group. And that was just before the pandemic hit. And so was here for a few months and then the pandemic hit. And you know, the church here, we didn't know what we were gonna do because we had no online presence. Um, we had no, you know, there's no way for them to get video set up or anything. And then I said, well, you know, I, I'm pretty good at YouTube because when I was at North Orange Christian Church, my entire uh, program was actually video-based. So small groups would meet different places, but they'd all watch the same lesson that I'd make each week. I'd do a video lesson in a kind of YouTube style, and then they'd answer small group questions and stuff. So I had a lot of experience with YouTube and how to do that and put it up, how to videotape it. And so we're able to immediately, we never missed a week where of church um, here. We ended up opened up the church on Sunday mornings, um, for kind of an open house. We took out all the chairs. So there's, you know, people come in the social distance and then we open up for about five hours. So people just come in whenever they want, take communion and then watch the sermon online and they could come and pray and communion and tithe. And God just immediately blessed that. Um, and we were able to just teach online and then eventually come back to meeting and space out and try and figure out this whole, you know, COVID and social distancing and church and how we're going to do it. And, and uh, God was faithful through it all. And really all the gifts that um, and skills that I learned over the years were exactly what were needed here. And just being able to move that and, and move those right over. And it was very clear, even though we thought, um, my wife and I and my family, no, we want to move somewhere else where we can easily grow, you know, a garden or different things that we don't have to fight the 
rock so much to grow, or, <laughs> yeah. you know, where it doesn't, you know, almost kill you in the middle of summer here. You know, we really had a, a different plan. Well, this really is the Mojave. I mean, yeah, it is. I mean, it gets, you know, over 120 in the summer for a few weeks. Right. And, you know, you kind of, you learn to live with it just like you do in the snow anywhere else and right. how it is, but it ain't fun. <laughs> um, and it's great for a lot of things, but, you know, it's got its own own unique beauty. But God very clearly has put us here um, as he always has moved us around and uh, always been very faithful to us. And so um, it was interesting, though, with that is applying for this job as a youth minister role. And so God, you know, moved us back into youth ministry, which I was very, thought I was very much done with and just going to be a, an old uh, senior minister or associate. And, and uh, it's been really neat, though, because as my kids have grown up, they are now in the age of being in youth group. And so where I used to be a youth minister who was that fun guy, I was kind of the, the cool older brother to these guys. And so, you know, I wasn't younger than their parents, but now, but older than them. So I could kind of play the role of like, oh yeah, I'm kind of cool and, you know, hip guy and stuff. Now I'm the same age as their parents. Like the kids in our youth group, I'm friends with their parents. And so I've had to relearn how to do youth ministry to where, you know, I'm not the guy that's involved in every game because I just don't have the physical stamina anymore or, you know, I'm not able to do it. But it's been interesting to relearn and see um, how God is moving me and, and doing that from kind of a, a dad side of, of that and as a dad do a youth ministry and stuff. And so it's been really cool to see how God's been changing and moving us and get to do that. And Malcolm is amazing and um, sharing his pulpit and, and opening up. So I get to preach quite a bit um, for the regular church here it's so, about once a month or so is that what you're preaching now well once a month minimum he required right yeah. and so at least that and, and so it's been great and just a good response and um god's kind of changing our congregation here and really moving in a lot of really neat ways well every time i come here there's new people because mm-hmm. you have a lot of snowbirds yeah. or as as a new couple that was here <laughs> last yesterday yeah. at the revival and and found the church because they were from Ohio and they were looking for a Christian church. Uh, he said, I, I prefer Sun Chaser. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it, it's a different group every time. And if I remember right, one of the reasons before pre-COVID for the multiple services and even the Saturday night was was uh, fire department regulations that, that the church could only seat so many mm-hmm. and they needed to have that. Plus, uh, you've got shift workers or whatever and you've got the these people come in different times yeah. and and your situation mm-hmm. uh, shows how that that worked out and some people agree don't agree with the saturday night thing i'm not going to get into that right now mm-hmm. uh i'm just saying i i see that the leaders here looked at this and said we, we've got only so many ways we can go yeah and yeah. and they've done it and uh, uh i know uh by the time i, I preached the same sermon the, the third time you know, this weekend I was ready to move on to number two on Elisha, but yeah. but it, it works out. So you're doing you're doing youth work, mm-hmm. and that has changed since we've been coming here. Yeah. And this is I don't know our seventh eighth time here. Uh, we met Malcolm uh, when we were doing a revival in Needles, California, mm-hmm. and we were talking about that. That's been years and years ago. I mean, early on in this ministry, in our ministry, and early on in his ministry here, mm-hmm. but. But uh, the the youth program here has changed dramatically, and COVID had a big yeah. impact on that. Uh, would you share a little bit about that? Yeah, COVID really shut us down because um, 
the schools would shut down and we just weren't sure how to respond and you know just like everybody just trying to feel it out and make sure that we were being safe and you know kids it's different you got to treat them differently just because being minors um so we really try to play it safe um unfortunately it really killed the youth ministry here um our youth ministry before i took over is running 35 40 on a weekend or on a week uh with a midday meal um so they meet on wednesday nights have you know dinner together and and stuff and you know in the early days we didn't understand a lot of stuff and so food was just a no-no and and stuff and uh that changed and and youth ministry just kind of died um because of it unfortunately and so when we restarted up we decided you know let's change it and different things and um some things that were going well you know we wanted to keep some things that were really rubbing and really causing friction and we wanted to be able to to uh, dismiss and so we transitioned and started doing on a different night um and started kind of doing youth group in a different way and anytime you have a youth ministry transition for a youth minister youth group changes dramatically sure um and so that happened here and so we really shrunk um last year when we started youth ministry back up we started with um i think two kids originally um and so we started with we had twice as many leaders as we did kids um and so that was less than a year ago and we're up to 11 so 11 doesn't sound impressive but if you do percentage growth i mean two to 11 that's dang good percentage growth sure you know and so what's cool though is the kids that are coming are inviting friends and those friends are sticking around and it's really some organic really neat growth that's happening um and a lot deeper um i think we're seeing i shouldn't say that um we're seeing some growth because i shouldn't say that because i didn't know and i wasn't here for the a lot of the pre-covid stuff so I shouldn't compare it in that way. What's happening though is a lot of actual deep growth in that foundational ministry with junior hires because that's primarily who we have right now. Um, and so as they're starting to grow and bring friends, it's been really cool to see that happening. And really, when you consider the growth, it has been very good. But when you consider the fact that you are not just youth minister here, you're associate minister. Mm-hmm. And when I when we come in and do a revival, I see all the work you're doing. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is not youth ministry. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it is, it is greeting. You're out here with the adults. You're, you're at the front door greeting people. If something needs to be moved around in the fellowship area, you're back there mm-hmm. uh, either doing it yourself or instructing or, or getting your kids involved, which mm-hmm. is great. We talk about that, the need to put them to work mm-hmm. and, and show them what it is, it is to be part of the body. Yeah. And, and uh, so you're doing an awful lot. You're, you're getting, making sure we're online. Mm-hmm. You, you take care of that, get that done for us. I understand through Malcolm that you're pretty good at that kind of thing and and uh, a, a real benefit to have around for that. Yeah, Malcolm and I kind of sat down and like, well, how are we going to do this? We're going to figure this out. And um, and I was part-time at first, like I said, and then about a year after being part-time, I came in and just realized, you know, God, I need to be doing this full-time. This is what I went to school for. This is my passion. I never, I don't really care for working retail. <laughs> you know, um, it wasn't my thing and just... Uh, Went to I said, I'm not trying to threaten the church, but I need to go full time. And if it's not here, it needs, it's going to be somewhere else. And, uh, you know, I don't mean that, like, you better hire me or else. But I right. said, no, let's do it. I wish you'd threaten us so I could go to the elders with that. <laughs> and I, you know, and the elders said, no, let's hire him. And, and uh, God has made it clear. I mean, we, my salary was not budgeted at all. We didn't have it in the budget. And yet we never had to dip into savings. And in fact, we had, at the end of this last year, um, had more than enough for 
all both of our salaries, everything, and we we're over. We we're in the black by several, actually about twenty five thousand. And so God was just, I mean, just immediately blessed us. And one of the things too that COVID made us stop doing was we used to always pass the offering plate. We haven't passed it since COVID hit, and our giving went up. And God is very clearly. And so the elders, when they hired us full time, <coughs> me and Malcolm kind of sat down and said, okay, how are we going to do this? And um, he said, how about I take everybody over 50 and I'll kind of shepherd them and you take everybody under 50 and we'll just divide it up that way. And so along with youth ministry, we're trying to put more family events together and family stuff. And so I didn't realize that's what I was going to do, but I started planning some youth events and everybody showed up to them in the church. So I said, all right, then I guess we're going to fail at church-wide events now. So so you're, you're actually uh, come full circle back to where you thought you needed to be. Mm-hmm. But you're still getting to work with those junior hires that you love so much, yep. yeah. and uh, uh, with not quite as much energy right. as you used to have. <laughs> and just a different way, let somebody else and let them do it. So yeah, it's been great. And so just getting to see how God's moved it back around to where that vision, it reminds me of Moses, kind of how you know God gives him the, the desire to set his people free. And he does it his own way and kills a guy, buries him and tries to sneak it away. The guy yeah. goes, no, 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 I got a better way to do it. Just chill out for a minute. I'll bring you back around in about 40 years. We'll get it done the right way. And he brings them and gives them the skills and the ways to do that. You know, I wanted to go into family ministry and work with adults. And so I was like, okay, let's go back to school and do this. And we're going to, you know, do it on my own merit. And yet God's like, nope, you need to chill out for a little bit. I'll bring you back around and we'll do it this way. And so God has brought it away, but it was his way, not mine. I think we need to learn that, that, that God is always training us for what he has ahead. When I first became a Christian and a minister, almost immediately after that, uh, I wanted to do revivals. And that was when revivals, everybody said, well, people are still doing a lot of revivals. Like this couple who visited yesterday, they said they're looking for the church. they just come to the area. They found it on uh, this past week, and they saw a sign of revival. And they said, who does revivals anymore? Yeah. And yet we're coming close to 600 of them now since we started this. Yeah. But I wanted to do that. I didn't know how to, how to do it. I didn't have the experience. I certainly didn't have the, the, the knowledge of the Bible. And uh, it took 29 years. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, God opened the door. And now for 18 years, we've been doing this. Mm-hmm. But had I jumped in there and done that, I would have been going ahead of God. And God is never glorified when we run ahead of him. Yeah. We, need to, we need to let him lead the way. Well, and I think, too, we so much, and, and ministers and people, we... And we get overwhelmed by the idea that we need to come up with a how to get this done. But all throughout Scripture, God never asks anybody for the how. He That's never right. goes to Gideon and says, you got a plan? You know, yeah. he never went to, to Moses and <clears throat> said, you got any ideas here? He's just looking for the guy that's willing to go. And he'll take care of the how. He's just looking for the who. Right. So as long as we're willing to be the who and step up and go, well, use me. I don't know what you're going to do. But here I am. You know, I don't know what five loaves and fish is going to do for so many people. But maybe you can do something. So if we just put ourselves out there and let him take care of the how, and we be the who. Well, you seem to be pretty happy being the who, Jared. Mm-hmm. And and uh, God seems to really be blessing you. And, and I, I know that I, I've listened to people here. Some of them have just told me aside how happy they are to have you here mm-hmm. and what a great job God is doing through you. And I like the way they put that. Yeah. God is doing through you, and I know that's how you feel about it because I've talked about you, uh, talked to you enough to know that. 
uh, I really learned a lot about your background. I mean, that, that little bit of time that, that you and your wife took us out to eat before, uh, of all places, to In-N-Out Burger, <laughs> which I'm, I'm always excited to go to In-N-Out Burger. I'm, I'm never against that at all. Um, that uh, we didn't get near enough conversation. And it was, it was COVID, wasn't it? And we had to eat outside. Yeah, yeah. We, and it was windy like it is here yeah. all, all the time. And, and uh, so uh, is there anything else? We're kind of winding down our time here. Is there anything else you want to share with us before we, you well, know? I know when I've heard other stories like this, I you know, wish sometimes if there's somebody that's connected or can identify um, with what the, maybe they're going through something similar in their life and they need or they want to question, um, can I just get my email in that way? Sure. Okay, so if, if you've got any, if you kind of strikes a tone with you, my story resonates, um, and you need a question or you just need an encouragement, um, my email is uh, V-C-C-J-A-R-E-D, so Valley Christian Church, Jared, uh, at Gmail. And give me an email if you know you need something or you need to talk or discussion or anything. So That's great. I appreciate that. Yeah. And if, if uh, listeners would like to uh, listen to you preach sometime and on one of those Sundays that you're preaching, yeah. uh, how would they find that? Yeah, um, uh, it's Valley Christian Church BHC on YouTube. It stands for Bullhead City. Um, or just go to our, you know, vccbhc.com. So, All right. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you taking time to be yeah, uh, with me today. And, and uh, I really enjoyed, really enjoyed that story and, and, and uh, the way that, that sometimes we flounder. I think we need to hear that. People need to hear that they're not the only ones floundering right now. Mm-hmm. And sometimes uh, looking around in their confusion, not knowing where they're supposed to be or what to do and, and still trying to learn and that we all sometimes make decisions, uh, uneducated decisions that uh, that teach us whether we regret them or they were good decisions. They teach us, and God leads us and gets us to where we're supposed to be. Yeah. And I, I appreciate that. Well, if this uh, podcast has encouraged you, then I hope you'll share it with your friends and coworkers in Christ. And until next time, from the Mojave Desert, this time this dry, dry place. <laughs> This is Evangelist Tom Weaver saying goodbye, and may God pour down his blessing on you. (laughs) I'd like this right now, like a Mississippi rain. (laughs)